Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, good morning and thank you again for making your way here today. And we know that it's not by accident that you're here, that God brought us together for such a time as this. And it amazes amazes me every single weekend uh, who all shows up and and how many new folks come and and some folks you've known for many, many years just show up and and bless you and make your day. So thank you all for coming out to be a a part of this uh, very special day. If you uh, will, you you were handed an an outline, a handout that looks like this. And on one side is... um, Terry mentioned earlier, there is a place to take notes. So grab that, get that place to take notes, a pen or pencil, something to write with, get your Bibles out, and we are going to jump into God's Word and see what He has for us today. And I love that. Every time we gather, God has something amazing for us. So uh, we, we started a new study last week entitled Escape, and you see it there on the top of your outline. And today we are continuing in that vein of thought. And, and honestly, clarity is desperately needed in our confused and confusing world today. And that's the, 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 the topic we're going to center around this morning. Escaping confusion. How many of you have ever been confused about something? <clears throat> okay, that's 100% of us. We, we've all been in that fog. And it seems like you're kind of in a fog when, when that happens. Like, man, you just can't find clarity. Someone's told you this. Someone else has told you something contrary. You've kind of caught in between. It's all swirling around and you're just dazed and confused. How many remember that movie from the 80s? Okay, you shouldn't be watching that stuff. We've all known the fog of confusion and I'm just tell you straight out, the Bible tells us over and over again that these last days that we currently reside in are filled with opposing voices. They're all warring against the truth of God. Now this shouldn't be a surprise because in Matthew 24, 24, it tells us that false Christs and false prophets will arise that even the elect can possibly be deceived. So folks, we, we've got to keep that clarity in our minds and our hearts as God's people in these, these last days. That's why we, we felt urged and, and pushed to deal with this this morning. Because so many are, are seemingly living in that fog. Now, you can be confused about, about directions to Myrtle Beach because... Quite honestly, every road you take can lead you to Myrtle Beach, it seems like. Anyway, I mean, you know, that's not a big deal. You can be confused about what ingredients go into a chicken casserole because from what I've seen throughout the many years of potluck dinners at churches, you can put about anything in a chicken casserole as long as it's got chicken in it and it'd still be a chicken casserole. You can be confused about a whole lot of stuff in this life that we reside in. However, we cannot afford to be confused about what we're dealing with today. Someone once said that there were many times when truth spoke to me, but I did not listen. Often it called to me, but I I did not hear it. I was too busy listening to lies and deception. Unfortunately, they went on to say, if you listen to lies long enough, when truth speaks, you cannot hear it or bear it, and confusion is going to clutter your heart and your mind. Today, as I I prepared for this during the the last couple of weeks, I I, I simply just boiled it down to three statements that Jesus made amongst very very many others that that he made while he was here on this earth that bring complete clarity to us in the following three most important aspects of life. Number one, I put on your outline is simply this. We need to escape the confusion on the way. 
Would you, would you put that in your blank there? On the way. Just, just put way. The is already there for you. And we make it really easy. Maybe too easy for I don't know. But we need to escape all of the contrary voices that are in our world today speaking to us about this utmost important subject. Again, Jesus himself dispels all uncertainty. He told his own disciples before going to the cross in John chapter 14, verse 6, these words, he said that he was going to prepare a place for them. And of course, Thomas speaks up, and I love this, because Jesus was open to questions, and he loved for them to, to dialogue with him. And Thomas asked, how do we know where you're going? And how do we know how to get there? How many of you are like Thomas? You want to know. And I'm the same way. If I go into Walmart or, it, well, Walmart I know in my sleep. I, I can get you anywhere you need to go in Walmart. But if I go to somewhere that's not my home store, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We all have our home field, home store, place we go, we know it. If I go to Food Lion or Bilo or the Taj Mateeter that charges you a fortune for it, excuse me, I'm sorry, I said that. If I go in there and I'm needing to pick something up, I'm just going straight to the first person that's wearing the shirt that matches that store and saying, hey, can you tell me where I can find the canned pinto beans? Any pinto bean eaters in here with me? Come on. And they'll direct me. Why? Because I want to cut through the stuff. I want to know where to go. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste energy. I don't want to waste any of my valuable resources on trying to search for two hours to find canned pinto beans. I want to know. And I love this about Thomas. That's exactly what he wanted to know. He wanted to know how do we get there? Where are we going? What is this you're talking about? And Jesus says to him these words, and he's telling us the same thing right here today in 2008. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Amen. Well, that's pretty strong, right? That's pretty bold. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter, one of his Twelve disciples says the same thing of Jesus. After Jesus goes to heaven, someone's talking with him and he says, Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Period. The name of Jesus. However, that's not the popular opinion of the world we live in right now. But write this down somewhere. Opinions aren't facts. Right? You can have all the opinions you want. They may not be true. They may not be accurate. But you've got them. Let there be no confusion. Enshrined within chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts is the exclusive claim of Christianity. And that is simply this. There is no other Savior. There is no other way to God except through Christ. There is no other way of being saved than through Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Now, what I've just stated here. Clearly, for all of you to hear and whoever else may choose to watch this via whatever stream they follow, both today and the days to come, I've said enough already to start a holy war, right? Because this, again, is not the popular opinion of the day. And there will be people that will rise up in their anger and their fury and come at me and say, how dare you? How dare you be so rigid? How dare you be so whoop? narrow-minded how can you how can you even say something like that I mean there's a lot of good stuff and good ways and good pe people and religions and programs and this is what Christianity is all about 
And if I, as a, a Christian and a called Christian minister, back off of this, guess what? I'm done. Worthless. Now, whether they have religion or not, or do not like exclusive claims to truth because of the, the great religious diversity in the melting pot of faith across our world right now, increasingly so in our very own nation, people just think that it's arrogant. It's presumption to claim that our God is the only God and our way of salvation is the only way to our God. And so many calculate that to make such exclusive claims is presumption. It is an arrogant evil called this, fundamentalism. You ever heard of that? In many facets of our society, there's an avid determination to root it out, to drive it out, and get rid of such exclusivity. Now, I think that's because they reason that with so many diverse cultural expressions of, of God in our world and our land and so many types of faith, how can anyone know? Now, now get this. Don't, don't let it get by you. How can any one person know what is the true way to God? I think that that reasoning has given rise to two different reactions that, that we, we, we need to know about. Number one is simply this. There's this camp that rejects all religion. But it's just too confusing. You know, you, you, you say do this, they say do that. You say believe this, they say believe that. There's just so many opinions swirling around. There was that group that, that all donned white outfits and robes and, and they waited in their bunks for UFOs to come and get them. I don't know. Hopefully none of you were a part of that group. Well, if you would have been, you wouldn't be here today. So we skip that. Jim Jones took people out, to, out of the country and, and made them drink Kool-Aid and said, I'm going to get you to God. Didn't work. I mean, there's so many crazy thoughts out there. So many that sound pretty sane, but they're just not right. So what happens is some people in our world and some people maybe in this room or listening to me today or the next few days or whatever are going to say, you know what? I am done with it all. I'm just... I'm just marking myself out of this whole religious God, Christianity, faith, whatever you want to call it, thing. I'm throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater, right? I'm finished. Now, the other extreme is a reaction to the multicultural diversity and faith around us uh, today of embracing every religion that comes along. We want to worship trees. We believe that these beautiful trees are our way to God. Cool. I'm with you there. You believe it, I believe it. I, you embrace it, I'm going to embrace it. You know, one camp rejects it all. The other embraces it all and says, well, really there's one true divine reality in all these religions. As long as we are sincere and trying our best to live a good moral life and do good to others, everybody's okay. And we've got to see all religions as legitimate, Right? That's not right. Good. <laughs> Good, I, I like that. And again, the, the spiritual cry of our current society is you've got to tolerate everyone. Right? Well, that's what they say. They say tolerance is the, the anthem of today. You've, you've got to be tolerant. And, and honestly, I agree with tolerance. To a, to a degree, to a point, and, and here's what I mean, because if you look up the definition of that word in the Oxford Concise English Dictionary, you're going to find that the definition of tolerance is allowing others to express their faith as they see fit and not interfere with that, and we thank God that we have the freedom 
to express our faith in Jesus Christ here, as do others, as long as it doesn't violate the laws of our day in any way, shape, or form, is, is how that kind of plays out. However, the way that people understand tolerance to work in our society today is simply this. They don't understand tolerance to mean that you have to just do what this definition said. No, they believe it to be that you have to deny what you believe is truth to tolerate what I believe. And I'm telling you, that's not tolerance at all. While we can live with and ought to seek out and be neighborly to those of other faiths and point them to Jesus Christ in every way we can, tolerance ought never to mean that we deny what we believe is truth. And there is coming a day, as the Bible tells us, that, that we're going to be pressed into that corner of either bowing down to the world system or standing up and saying, I will not declare my allegiance to any other. And it may cost us everything. But we'll gain everything if we stay strong. If we stay strong and true. G.K. Chesterton, speaking of some wrong conceptions of tolerance, once said that for many people, tolerance is the virtue of those who don't believe in anything anymore. People either who have rejected all religion, as we mentioned, or embraced every religion. And so there is no belief at all because they stand for nothing, they fall for everything, and confusion is abounding in their lives. So I wonder today, have you been confused any at all about how we get to God? What is the right way? What is the, the path that God has established? I mean, a lot of people have fallen for false religion, false doctrine, false teaching. A lot of people are living that out. Even Pilate, when Jesus was before him, had his, his arrest and his trial. Pilate looked at him and said, what is truth? Can we even know it? And Jesus said back to him, absolutely, you better believe you can know the truth because I, the truth, stand before you right now. And that's the same assurance that every one of us has, everybody who's ever breathed a breath on this planet has that same promise, that same assurance. We can know truth and we can know the truth in Jesus living in our hearts and lives. Now, our world has tried to deny it. The enemy tries to destroy it. And a large part of the church itself has tried to dilute the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, it, it's happening. It, it's been happening. It, it, it's no secret. It, 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 is, it is pathetic. I've said it before. There are churches that do not even speak of the blood of Christ. When the blood of Christ is what washes our sins away, what cleanses us, what saved us. He paid the price at Calvary's cross and he spilled his blood for everyone who would call upon him for salvation. But there are churches who have taken that language out of everything they are about because they say that, that people actually find that offensive. It's kind of funny to me that they'll go out and buy any kind of video game that anybody puts out that's got blood, death, gore, all this crazy stuff, and they think nothing of it, but they come to church, and they want their church to be sanitized and clean, and nothing of that that would even, even rattle anybody in the least little bit. Some churches have even gone as far as saying, maybe Jesus isn't the only way. 
And I'm going to tell you, that started back in 1971 at the Central Committee of the World Council of Churches convened in Ethiopia. And they heard messages urging new approaches of Christians to other religious faith. This was their reasoning behind it. Because Christians cannot claim to have a monopoly on truth. We need to meet men of other faiths and ideologies. And as a part of our, our trust in and obedience to the promises of Christ. Wrong! Jesus made statements like this. You're either for me or you're what? Or you're against me. There is no middle ground. I'm not going to sanitize and water down who I am and what I came to do to make you feel better. I am going to stand in love but in boldness and confidence proclaiming I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to our Father but by me. It turns a lot of people off. But it turns a lot of people to home as well. Listen, guys, we're in 2018. That was in 1971. I was just a mere babe when that took place. I know it's hard to believe. I know, I know that's hard to believe that I was, I was even around back then, but, but I was. And it started even before that. But here's the problem. The Apostle Peter, the 12 disciples, the evangelist of the New Testament and all the Bible and, 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 and the Christ of, of, of God himself have claimed the exclusivity of Jesus as the only way to God. So their reasoning will never hold up. We can be sure today, folks, that Jesus is the way. You can, you can count on that. Like you can count on your sitting in this room today. You can count on it like the sun is up right now. That Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. There is no other. As I said earlier, we can get a lot of things wrong in this world that we exist in. But not this. Look at me, church. You cannot afford to get this wrong. Everybody you're going to lock eyes with this week, they can't afford to get this wrong. Everybody you will ever come in contact with that will ever be born on this planet cannot afford to get this fact wrong in their lives. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. And honestly, there should be no confusion on the way, right? I mean, all through Scripture, it points to Jesus Everything of God's word points to Jesus and nothing else. No confusion else. Secondly, this morning on your outline, we need to escape the confusion of true worship. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm an old man. I turned 51 this week. I can jump into that category. I'm an old man and I am tired of hearing about worship wars, worship preferences, worship styles. Here's what I want. Here's what I pray for. Just give me people who get it, right? Give me people who get it. Give me people whose hearts are so on fire for Jesus Christ, you can't even get them to sit down. You can't get them to keep their hands down and their hearts open and sing it out with all their might. And they don't care who's playing what, who's doing what. They don't care what style is here, what style is not here. They just love Jesus. And man, they're passionate. And it's just burning fire inside of their chest. And, and you can't contain it. That's what I want. Man, I'm telling you, there was a lady that was at the well who met up with Jesus. And she's called a Samaritan woman. And, and he had this dialogue with her. And they had this great conversation in John chapter 4. And, and she had some stuff going on in her life. And so she kind of diverted the conversation towards the subject of worship. And she asked Jesus this question. She said, I can see that you're a prophet and your ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place we, we must worship is in Jerusalem. And he said, woman... 
I love that. Amen. Guys, you ever, you ever addressed your wife like that? And I was going to say, and live to tell about it. Obviously not. You're here. You know better. He said, woman, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Location doesn't matter. Style doesn't matter. What songs you pick out. How well they're playing those songs. Who's off key? Who's on key? That doesn't matter. Now Jesus goes on and tells us this. There's that time coming that it's not going to matter what mountain, what location. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. And I love this. He says we worship what we do know. When you know that you know that you know that it's Jesus Christ, Him crucified, Him raised from the dead, that is the object of your desire and all of your affection, that it's not going to matter about anything else. You just came to worship your God. That's what it's all about. And that's exactly what Jesus is, is, is letting her know. He said that time is coming, and I love this, and has now come. Would you write that on the margin of your outline? The time is here. When true worshipers, how about that? Those people who aren't playing games, who could care less about anything, they're not keeping score, they're not judging how great everything was, none of that. But true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers. Hear, hear this. They are the kind of worshipers that the Father desires. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. That statement alone might reject about a half of this, this group in this room. Because you might have some issues when it comes to this area. Now, I'm not pointing fingers. I would never do that. But I'm just saying, those are the kind of worshipers that the Father desires. And then he says, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and what? And in truth. Amen. Even the cameraman's getting excited. In spirit and in truth. In other words, our spirit connecting to God's spirit. It's spirit-fueled, spirit-led, spirit-fed worship. That when we are just communing with God, he with us, us with him, we are one together. Then our spirits are knit together. Just as a husband is knit to his wife as the Bible lays it out. That we are one in the, in the same, just connected like that. And we are worshiping according to the truth of God's word. That means we sing to the Lord. That means we lift up holy hands. That means we dance in the Lord's spirit. As David came in dancing before the ark of the covenant. That means we let loose and don't care about what people think about us. My, my picture of worship from the Bible that I love dearly. Is Mary coming in and falling at Jesus' feet. Breaking open her alabaster box of of perfume and just pouring it all over him. I, I love the, the Mary that came in and then she felt so so undeserving to be there that she she washed his feet with her tears and, and dried them with her hair. That's what worship is. It's about knowing who God is and loving him for being that, right? That's who we are as God's people. That's the heart that needs to beat inside of every one of our chest about our God. Let me just give you some quick facts here, and some of them might hurt you a little bit, but that's okay. We're here to get hurt so we can get healed. Worship is not for us. That's, that's the starting one I want to give you, but we do benefit. It's amazing what happens when we just love on Jesus. 
Our lives just become better. Our days become better. Everything about us becomes better because we are connected to Christ through passionate worship. Number two, worship is spirit to spirit. I just said that a moment ago. More than the physical things we do, it's got to be genuine from our hearts to God's heart. Number three, worship is not just music and song. It's everything we do. It's about having that lifestyle of worship. Next, worship should be our lifestyle. It's got to be who we are in our fiber, of the, the very fiber of our being. And then lastly, worship is an offering. It's going to cost us something. But it's well worth paying whatever that something is. For David, it was some dignity. As his wife was embarrassed, she confronted him and said, How dare the king prance around in his underwear so undignified? In the streets of Jerusalem. And he basically said, I can get up more undignified than that for my God. Folks, I'm telling you, where's your heart? Where's your worship? And lastly today, we need to escape the confusion of kingdom work. Most people don't like that word today. You know that as well as I do, that word work. Did you write that down somewhere? Of course you are. You're writing it in the space I gave you, right? See? I got you. Mark 16, 15, Jesus again. Before he left to go to heaven, he told his disciples and all of us to go into all the world and preach the good news to every single person. How about that? Is that that clear enough for us? To go, to preach, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to break this down in two simple aspects. Number one, what is that? What, what, what is it? Well, in its simplest form, sharing the good news of God's great salvation through Jesus, his son, with everyone that we possibly can. That's what it is, going and giving the gospel. I can tell you that from my earliest days in my conversion to Christ, I was blessed to have great models in my life that just exuded that. Everywhere they went, they just shared God's love. They, they shared the truth. They shared the gospel. And it cultivated something in me as I began to pray, God, help me be that same way. So that even now, even when I meet someone for the first time, my first thought about that person, it it all boils down to this. Do they know Christ? Do do they know Jesus? Are are they in love with him? Are they on their way to heaven? Do they they love Jesus? Is that who they are? That's the first thing. And and I I, I pray and, and ask the Lord to help me, you know, find that out as quickly as possible. And if they don't, and I find that out, I, I just begin to share the gospel, the truth, the love of Jesus in any way that I can. That, that's what that is. That's, that's what it's all about. Secondly, who, who is it for? This, this commission, who is it for? Well, that's simple. For every Christian. Would you write that down? Every Christian. Not just the paid professionals, right? All of us are called and commanded to go. Folks, I just want to tell you, that, that's why we're still on this planet. If there were not a need... To share Christ, to give the gospel, to love people, to serve, to go, to work. If there were not that need in this world, then upon our conversion to Christ, I see no other reason for him to just not just take us home instantaneously and be done here, right? Some of you are saying, man, that would be awesome. I'm ready. But there is still a time where the gospel is needed, where people are still dying without Christ, where people desperately need to know the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to save us and set us free and give us a purpose in this life. 
And it's for every single Christian to do this work. The calling to every disciple. And folks, I'm just telling you, that's the reason we exist as a church. The reason we're here as a body of believers, as a group who love Jesus together and do life together and work in the fields together and and go together. That's why we're here together. And it's got to be the heart behind the growth of every church to reach and disciple more people. Not to pad numbers or statistics or anything else. Our heartbeat must be that we reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to tell you, this is why we pour so much of ourselves, our resources, everything we can into reaching and teaching our children, our students, and our adults every single week here at Connections Church. And because of so many of you are taking this so seriously, we're seeing the fruit of that come in partnering with our great God for kingdom expansion. But we all, look up at me for a minute. We all, every one of us, need to take serious the call of working in the kingdom. Every single person who follows Christ has an assignment to work for him. You have a mantle. You have a mandate. Listen, when we do take that serious as individual believers and a collective body of believers, you're going to be amazed at who comes to Christ. You're going to be amazed at how many come to Christ. I'm not saying they're all going to be a part of Connection Church. That doesn't matter. But they're all going to be a part of God's family. And that matters. That always matters. But we've all got work to do. This is why, basically, we're launching a campaign today. And you're going to find out more about that in just a few moments so that we can make more room because some of those people are Look at me, they are going to be a part of Connections Church. They are going to need a place. Kids are going to need more classroom space. Amen? Amen. As a matter of fact, let me back that up and say it this way. Kids already need more classroom space. Right, P. Scott? I mean, we're bursting at the seams with kids and babies and nursery and, and God's doing a great work in that arena. Listen. God put on our heart Make room for the harvest. Could you close your eyes just a minute? Or maybe a minute and a half or so. I'm not real sure at this point, but just go with me here. Jesus gathered those disciples up on one occasion before he left. And he said, I want you to take a look at something. I don't want you looking at me necessarily right now. I want you looking at the Pharisees or the Sadducees or any other kind of seas. Don't want you looking at the boats and the nets you've left behind. I don't want you looking at any of that other stuff. I want you to look with me at the fields. And he's not talking about the literal fields of grain and wheat that, that grew around them in that day and time. No, he's talking about the harvest field of people. And he says to them these words, look into the fields for they are already white. Unto harvest. Can, can you see it in your mind's eye right now? I'm not talking about wheat that's blowing in the wind or corn stalks or anything else that's common to us around here. I'm talking about the sea of humanity. The sea of humanity that right now 
Thousands and, and millions of them are lost apart from Christ. They don't know the way. They don't know what true worship is. But we who are called to that, who know Jesus, who love Him, who serve Him passionately, who worship Him in spirit and in truth, we are the ones that are to go out in the fields as Jesus told them, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into these fields that are ripe for harvest right now. Don't wait two years. Don't wait ten years. Don't wait till you get that degree. Don't wait till you get that biblical knowledge you, you think you need, which is good. I'm not, I'm not against that. But you got me. You got the testimony of how I changed, transformed, radically saved your life. You go tell your story of salvation. You go love. You go serve. You go proclaim the good news. Of who I am. With every head bowed and eyes closed for just another moment. Please don't be confused about Jesus being the way. If you're in this room right now and you said, Pastor, I've kind of struggled with that in my own heart and life for, for some time now, but the Holy Spirit has brought some clarity, some much needed clarity in my, my life today about Jesus, my salvation. Would you raise your hand and say, Say, so just continue to pray for me. I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit doing something great of changing me. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Just lift. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Any others? Thank you. And maybe you're in here saying, you know what? My, my worship has been, has been off. I've been focusing on the wrong things. I've been evaluating the wrong things. I've been, I've been lost in the wrong things when it comes to what worship truly is. But the Holy Spirit sure shook my my, my world today and I know I know better now what, what worship really is could you raise your hands in this room if you say God, God that's me thank you sir thank you ma'am thank you ma'am yes 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 thank you thank you and how about those of us who would say you know what there's more work I could be doing myself the, the, the harvest is right. Jesus was right. He's always right. And, and I, I've been just kind of sitting back thinking others are going to do it or, or kind of been lazy or, or not motivated or whatever. I don't know. But the bottom line is I want to work for Jesus Christ. I want to partner with him in kingdom work and seeing people come to him. Would you raise your hands and say, that's me today, Pastor. I'm, I, I'm in. I'm in with this. I, I, I'm not playing around. I'm, thank you. Thank you. Hands Hands up everybody. Wouldn't we all just stand together right now? There are so many hands lifted across this room this morning for these three areas. And maybe there's something else. Maybe you need salvation. The most important step. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Would you reach over and take the hand of whoever's beside you? You have to move a little bit to connect with somebody. That's fine. Do that. Just grab their hand in yours. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us together for such a time as this. God, as the seconds on the eternal clock tick away on this side of heaven, and we get closer to your return, that beautiful return in the sky that you said in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're all going to be transformed, we're all going to be taken out of this. Who follow you, love you, serve you, God. Help us sense the urgency of, of the hour. Help us live life knowing without a doubt that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to you, comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. Help us understand that worship 
is all about loving you passionately and living our lives passionately for our great King. Set us on fire to do the work of an evangelist, to do the work of, of the ministry, to go out, love and serve and give and proclaim the good news. God, for anyone in this room or listening right now who in their own heart they have not declared you as king and surrendered their lives to you in salvation right now God as they pray and ask you to forgive them of their sins to wash them clean by the blood that you shed to make them a new creation to be born again right now God as they declare their allegiance and discipleship to you Jesus confirm that in their hearts and lives confirm that right now God, thank you for the greatest decision ever being made across this room and outside of it in this moment. God, we honor you, we celebrate you, and we worship you together once again in Jesus' name. Let's sing it out, church. Let him know today how much you love him. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.